Well, thank you. I am honored this morning. I wish I could say, I mean, I consider myself a man of faith, but the first thing I thought when I drove up and saw all y'all standing out there, I thought, good Lord, somebody has done set the alarm off in the church. If something's on fire, what happened? I had no idea that you guys were doing that. And so let me just say thank you. I am honored and blessed to have you honor me that way. I appreciate it. I value it. I, um, you know, this job doesn't always... This, uh, I shouldn't say job, I don't like that word. This calling doesn't always lend itself to warm and fuzzy feelings of excitement all the time. But this morning I had the warm and fuzzy feelings of excitement. So thank you for honoring me that way and, and uh, bless you. I, um, I wanted to say that uh, the Africa trip, I think you ought to take some folks with you if they're interested. So. If anybody's interested in going to Africa, just go on and, and, and uh, hook up with Langston. We've got Morris and Sarah. They're out of town. They're planning on going to Mexico. We've got a lot of things that are planned for next year. This will be a great year. Let 2016 be the year when we all just get out of the walls of the church, even in a greater way. Uh, it, is a, uh, it is a miracle. <laughs> it is a miracle that Inez Cleveland is going to Africa. Somebody say Amen. Amen. So you know God's moving. So I want to I want to just encourage you to be praying. We've got a lot of things that, that I believe God's going to do next year. And so, but this year's not over. And so uh, I wanted to say one more thing and then we'll get into the word this morning. If you're interested in uh, what membership is to be a part of New Covenant Church, if that's something that's been rolling around in your head and you desire to know more about that, if you'll contact the office and pay them. She's not in here. She, yes, she is. She's right there. Everybody wave. Wave to them. That's Pam. If you desire, just call the church office, and she will be glad to send you a, a new member's information packet, which goes into great, great, great detail about who we are and what we believe and the foundations and the tenets of faith and how we operate and how we govern. And if that's something that you're interested in, let her know, and then we're going to be setting up uh, either, either in November or December. And if not, then we're going to be doing it at the beginning of the year. So we just wanted to kind of get that out there to you. Amen? Amen. Well, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where we're going to begin this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I, uh, we took some time off, and we had what they call a staycation. We didn't go anywhere. We just stayed home for vacation. We went maybe out of town for a day trip. Last Wednesday, we went out of town for a day trip, and we came back. And, and But the majority of the time, we stayed home, and the and the time that we had just relaxing, and I think we fished more than we fished. I think we rode dirt roads more than we rode. We just relaxed, and we did some things around the house that we needed to get done. And, and we just spent time together as a family. And, and those times are good. How many of you know we need that rest? Uh, there was a reason why God created the heavens and the earth on six days, and on the seventh day God rested. So there's a rest for the people of God that Hebrews talked about. And in that rest, we just begin to... Just begin to pray and seek the Lord, and I don't always, uh, I don't always get myself geared up when I'm on vacation or when I'm taking a, when I'm resting, when I'm on sabbatical. I try to take a day every week where I just kind of de defrag everything. I get, I, I try to get away from my cell phone. I try to get away from everything and and just be. You know what I'm saying? How many of you just like just being? Any guys in the room that just like to be in their nothing box? What you got on your mind? None. Absolutely. You don't have nothing on your mind. No, nope, don't have nothing. I'm just here. And so in doing that, we begin to, 
begin to see some things and then it just it's like a snowball effect and then by the time the end of that thing came around about about uh, the begin the end of last the end of this week it just began to snowball and so I wanted to share some things on my heart that I believe is a prophetic word for us for this season for this hour and let me tell you how I know it's a prophetic word for us because it was a prophetic word for us it's a prophetic word for me and I believe that it is a prophetic word for us as a church and so 2 Corinthians chapter 2, let me set the stage real quick. Let me give you a little background, and we'll read, and then I'll give you the background. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it said, verse 1, he says, But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. Now, in 1 Corinthians was the letter that Paul wrote three years, somebody say three years, three years after he established the church. Now, Corinth some believe was one of the most prosperous cities in the entire world. It was, a, uh, it was a port city. It was a city where there was a lot of trade, a lot of commerce. So it was also a city that was very inundated with a lot of dirty, evil things. And in the midst of that kind of climate, Paul started a church. Somebody say, come on, church planning. He started a church in one of the most... It's, it'd be like starting a church in San Francisco, California. It'd be like starting a church in Las Vegas, Nevada on the strip next to one of those big old uh, gambling casinos. And that's what it was like. It was just inundated with anything and everything you could think of. And so he started this church and began to, and began to raise up leaders. And then that was on his first missionary journey. So he takes off and on his second missionary journey, he begins to write the letter. And he writes this letter and this is the second letter now. There's a reason why I'm starting here, and we'll go back and reference some of the other letters. He said, but I determined that within myself that I would not come again to you in sorrow. And I'll get to that in a little while. For if I make you sorrowful, then, he, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? And I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe. This punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. For to this end I also wrote that I might put to you the test whether you are obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about really walking in a level of maturity as believers that we should be at as believers. There are things that God desires to do through us and in us, but sometimes there are just some of the slightest things that we don't, we don't necessarily recognize that prevent us from stepping into everything that God has for us. And he says this in verse 10. He says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. 
For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I'm going to talk to you this morning about not being ignorant towards the devices that the enemy has. In John 10.10, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we know what his purpose is. We know what his mission statement is. All over hell, there are signs that say steal, kill, and destroy. We know that he desires to do that. But what are the devices that he uses? And Paul says, lest we should be ignorant, lest we should be taken advantage of. Because we are not ignorant of his devices. If we are not ignorant of his devices, then how does he take advantage of us? How does he get in and take advantage of us? Grandma, you got your phone on you. Let me borrow it. I'm going to read another translation because in the, in, in the uh, hustle and bustle of everybody being out front, I have no idea where my phone is and I feel naked this morning. I'm going to read to you from a different uh, translation uh, on, this, on this verse in 2 Corinthians. He said, lest, lest he should take advantage of us. Because we, because why? We are not ignorant of his devices. Let me tell you something about the enemy. He has no new devices. There is no master plan device that he's waiting for the last day and he's going to unveil this device and then all of a sudden we're going to be like, I, I don't know what happened. I didn't expect that. He has no new devices. He's been doing the same thing that he's been doing from generation to generation to generation. And we are not to be ignorant of his devices. How many of you want the enemy to take advantage of you? No. How many of you want to know his devices to such a degree where Paul said that he won't be able to take advantage of us? How does he take advantage of us? Well... One place in Scripture says that He takes advantage of us because of our lack of knowledge. There are aspects of that that are, are very true. And then there's, a, there's a, those who know the light, who know the Word and walk in the light. But if you don't walk in the light, you, become, you, you, uh, you blind yourself is what James said. If you know it, it's like you walk into a mirror, James said, and you see yourself. And you turn around and straightway, the Bible says, you forget what manner of man you are. The enemy is des desires you to, to uh, sit down, shut up, and don't say nothing. He desires for you to walk around this life with such a level of bitterness and resentment and anger that you can't even enjoy life. He, he, his, his devices are not new. Uh, with men, it's gold, glory, and girls. With women, it's their identity. It's knowing who they are. It's being loved by their fathers or the men in their life. He has no new devices, but yet we keep tripping over the same thing. We keep tripping over the same. Why we be tripping? <laughs> Why do we keep tripping over the same thing? Some of you young folk will be like, what's he talking about? Oh, that was before your time. That was in high, when I was in high school. That was, why are you tripping? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. My wife loves the New Living Translation. I'm going to tell you something, I've gotten to where I love it too. The New Living Translation is actually that. It is a translation. It started out as a paraphrase from an older Bible back in the early 1900s and they got together. It was the largest 
most expensive translation uh, revision of the Bible in history. The New Living Translation. And I'm going to tell you why I love it. And you can thank my wife and say, thank you, Miss April. He said in verse 5, he said, I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble and hurt to all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him, otherwise he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgave him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Now, before I get into the preaching part of this, let me, let me share with you a couple of things. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm not going to try to go into a lot of detail, but I want to give you the background. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this, He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, even such that it is not even named among the Gentiles. That a man and his father's wife, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might also be taken away from among you. For I indeed am absent in the body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you gather together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus, deliver such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit might be saved. Now most commentators, a lot of people differ between these two. They say that this is the situation that he was talking about and addressing in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So he's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, which is years later, addressing the situation that was years before in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And he says, listen, I know it grieved you. I know it caused you harm. It was bad. It was ugly. But now it's time to move on. Some believe that this was a result of the Judaizers coming against and challenging Paul's authority as an apostolic leader. And that's what he was dealing with. Some believe that. Let me tell you what I feel and what what I sense and what I've studied. First of all, I can't find evidence for either one. He was dealing with a situation. I'm not sure what situation, but there was many to deal with. He was dealing with something. And regardless, he didn't say maybe uh, there might be a man in this situation. He said, such a man, there was a man, I know this, did this to you, and I remember it, and you remember it, but there was a specific incident. Something happened from 1 Corinthians chapter 5 to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Something happened. Something. Either a period of time had gone by, this man had, had given himself over to repentance, he had begun to, to, uh, to, 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 he was involved in the community anyway. They had booted him out of the church. He was getting on to him in 1 Corinthians because they wouldn't do what was needed. He said, I have turned this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his soul might be saved. There are times where you and I, listen to me, there are times where you and I have no choice but to do that. 
There are times. I've done it. We've done it. But now it's time to move on. That's what Paul said. Paul said now it's time to move on. Let me tell you something. Some things that I've seen. We always think about forgiveness as how it affects us. Brother and sister, if you don't forgive, it's going to affect you. It's going to eat you up. It's going to eat, eat you up. You know, bitterness and resentment is, is like that old adage. It's you taking poison and expecting somebody else to die from it. You just, I mean, and it, it is, listen to me, it is a spirit. It is a spirit. There's a reason why it's called a spirit of offense. Because he gets in there and he gets up next to you and he goes, Can you believe that she did that to you? Can she did she love that? I mean, you drove up. It's all about you day. And she didn't even wave at you. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. He done, you done got up early and made the poster and the pastor didn't even hug your neck. You see how he does? Everybody say, we are not ignorant of his devices. He comes in and he begins to try to sow discord any way that he can. He tries to come in and he tries to destroy the very nature and ebb and flow of love that God has created for us. And Paul said, enough is enough. I, I was reading some commentaries, some Greek scholars that say the man had gotten to a place of repentance. I can't find that in Scripture. I, I've studied, I've looked, I can't find it. I'm not saying it's not there. Don't. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm not saying that the man didn't repent or the situation didn't repent. What I'm saying to you is I cannot find what exactly transpired between 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 2 Corinthians chapter 2. All I can tell you is that something transpired and it was more related to you and me than it is the man that offended, that did the offense. Either way you look at it, it does not make a difference because the point is dealing with unforgiveness and the pride of life in the lives of believers. It has nothing more to do with the offense or the offender. But it has everything to do with us. You know that the word of God is God speaking to us, right? Listen to me. Unforgiveness will eat you alive. That's why they say, that's why we, we, the Bible talks about don't pick up. An offense. The actual word for offense in the Greek is the trigger of a trap. It's like a bear trap. And you put that little cheese or that meat or whatever on it. And it's just nothing's happened. I mean, it's there. The danger's there. But nothing has trapped you yet. Till you listen to the accuser. Listen to me. Glory to God. I didn't see this till just now. He is called the accuser of the brethren. He's not called the accuser of the world. He's not called the accuser of the sinner. He's called the accuser of the brethren. Well, I, don't, I just don't understand why, why people come to church. And church sometimes is the most vicious, vile, just almost nasty place. Why? Because we are not ignorant of his devices. Jesus said in John 14, 
He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you give to the poor and sell everything you have and prophesy and have great church meetings where people get born again and come to Jesus. That's, that's, what, we have, uh, that's what we have created in our society, especially in the United States. We've created mechanisms where we, uh, we come to uh, spectate, not participate. We come and it just, I, sometimes I go overboard. I do. Sometimes I go overboard with my resisting that to such a degree where I go to the other side of that. You know what I'm saying? We've created this mechanism where we come and, and we don't. But we have more compassion for sinners than we do for the brethren. And the, the devil, Satan himself, is called the accuser of the brethren. Well, now we always think of the accuser of the brethren as he's accusing me. But no, he comes and accuses her to you and makes you think that she did it because it's, it's, her, it's her fault anyway. But she's taking it out on you and we know that. And that's why. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. He's called the accuser of the brethren. What he desires more than anything is to come in and cause you to be offended at him for something that she did. Listen to me. I know this is shouting and running territory. Woohoo, Cadillacs and big houses. That's not what this is this morning. This is, the, this is the very essence and the very nature for you and I to be able to walk in a level of freedom and victory and attain everything that God has for us and to be able to proclaim the gospel to every creature. This is the crux of everything. He, in, in every part of Scripture, this is what I see. We are not ignorant of His divide. The enemy, why did Satan, why did Lucifer fall? Because he was bitter and resentful that he was not like God. Then he tried to pass that mess off on to us. And he came to Eve and said, did he really say? And she goes, oh no, he said. Yeah, but he was just, he was just kidding. Because he knows that when you eat of it, you will be like him. And guess what? We already like him. You can't get no more like him than to be him. We can't be him. But we are made like him in his image and in his likeness. And we have the essence. that We, can be more, we cannot be no more like God than we already are. So the enemy resents that. He's bitter. So why does he accuse us? Because we got what he can't have. And so what does he do? So then he begins to, he knows that the way to destroy the church is to pin it against itself. He knows that the way to destroy our relationship is to pin us against each other. He knows that if you want to destroy this church, get one of the elders to be pinned against one of the other elders or to get pinned against me or to get one of the wives to be pinned against one of the other wives or if that won't work, then guess what? He'll use anybody else in the church that he can get. He desires for us to do nothing more than to devour and to destroy ourselves over nothing. And we have more compassion for sinners than we do for our brothers. Listen, I love the world. 
I love the world. Jesus said, for God so loved the world. I mean, God said, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. But Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. The world, the people of the world that don't know Jesus are, have been bought and paid for. Okay? Their blood, the blood of Jesus covers them just as much as it does covers us. The difference is that we have access because we have received it and embraced it and now we begin to walk our lives in alignment with that. They haven't. And he knows that if that good news is going to get out of this church, it is, it is game over for him. So what does he do? He tries to pin us up against each other. He said, in, now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. While you're turning, let me read this. So, so Paul in 1 Corinthians, the very first letter in chapter 3, he said, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Three years. Paul's expectation. How many of you know that there should be ways that we should be able to discern whether somebody is mature in the Lord or not? And you don't pull out your card-carrying member of some church either. No. You don't pull out, well, I, I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues. That, that don't make me. Paul, there was something in Paul that, that Paul, Paul had developed this ability to such a way where he could look at somebody and he could tell whether they were carnal or whether they were spiritual. Let me tell you something. I hadn't gotten, I hadn't gotten to the place that Paul's gotten. But I've gotten to the place where I've begun to understand where I can look in someone's life and I can tell whether they're spiritual or whether they're carnal. And it ain't got nothing to do with cigarettes, alcohol, booze, driving fast. No, it ain't got nothing to do with it. He could look in their life and he could tell. What did he, what could he tell? I fed you with milk. Three years. In Paul's estimation, after you've been born again for three years, you ought to be eating meat. Three years. Everybody say three years. Some people been feeding on the bottle for 15, 20, 25 years. The girls yesterday were playing, and they went and got Brim Brim's Baba, old Baba. She's three, so she's getting off. She's off the Baba. She's got a little sippy cup now. She'll be in that process. They went and got the Baba, and these youngins walking around with that bottle in their mouth. And I thought that is the funniest thing that I've seen in a while. And the Holy Spirit said, "Yeah, you got that all over the church, everywhere, all over the country. Not this church. No, not this church." Some other church in some other county somewhere. And I, are we saying that by faith? Is that what we're saying? Could you imagine what we would look like if you were walking around with your own diaper bag? What's that? That's my diaper bag. Oh, you got a little baby. No, it's for me. I got my baba, I got my sippy cup, and I got my little goldfish. I'm ready. That's not mature. <laughs> That's a baby. How do you know? How can you look into someone's life and know whether they're spiritual or whether they're still carnal? Carnal meaning you still give yourself over to the carnal fleshly way rather than allowing the way that God has made you, the spirit, to be in control of your life. How do you do that? I'm fixing to tell you. He says, for you... We're not able to receive it. And even now, 
you're still not able. Well, Paul, that's just unfair. You're getting on to them because they're not, still not able to receive it? Because he said, by this time, this is your fault. Three years ago, that was me. You weren't able. You couldn't receive it, so I didn't give it to you. It'd be unfair for me to break off a turkey leg and give it to a six-month-old, ba- you know, that precious, wonderful-looking baby right there. What you going to feed that baby for lunch? A turkey leg? Hamburger? Well, why not? That's just, Deanna, you ought to feed that baby some food. That's everybody in the room goes, man, that, I can't believe pastor making, pastor telling me you feed the baby turkey legs and hamburgers. No, you would think I was crazy, right? But you see a 35-year-old baby with a diaper walking around and you still giving them the bomb and him, oh, that's okay. It's all right. No, he said, by now, three years, by now you ought to be able to eat meat. And you still. And he was like, it's your fault. He said, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, another says, well, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Well, I go. I'm not saying your church is not good. I'm just telling you that I go to New Covenant. I'm not saying anything negative about your pastor, about my pastor. How about the pastor? How about the shepherd? I think I'll get with you after service. How about the, how about the shepherd? How about the great shepherd, the high priest of our confession? How about letting that? Listen, I'm telling you, I've studied it and am studying it. There are, there are churches, there are growing churches all over this country with pastors and preachers that cannot fight their way out of a wet paper sack. But they're growing. Why? Because it's not about that. That's a part of it. How how did Casey do last week? Did he do good? He did good? I ain't had a chance to go and listen to everything to make sure that there wasn't anything non-doctrinal and unscriptural that I needed to address. But no, I appreciate him taking that and and being a blessing to you, I did hear reports that, you know, he loves, the, he loves you. All the elders, we all love you. You understand that? That's what it's about. Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. How will they know? Jesus, tell us. Come on, I'm ready. How will they know that you have loved one for another? Do you, people don't go to, you know why people don't go to church? The number one reason why people leave a church is because of strife and discord. <laughs> I got evidence, like I got 48-hour evidence of this fact. You understand? I can't tell you how I know or where I got the information at. I'm just telling you. I know of an individual who has left a church because of that reason and I was talking with somebody the other day, and they done been to three churches in five years because they can't find one where they don't talk and backbite and try to kick the pastor out and everything else. And Paul said, you're still carnal. You're still living as mere men. 
And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he just cuts to the chase and he says this. He says, it's over. It's done with. He says, I'm going to back up and read the New Living Translation from the beginning. He said, but, but I determined this for myself, that I would not come again to you with sorrow. See, the first letter was with sorrow. He was... It was painful for him to write, are you still... He started the church, and the very first letter he's got to write to him, he's got to rebuke him. For if I make you sorry, who then is that who maketh me glad, but he that is made sorry by me? He's saying, if I make you sorry because I'm sorry, then when I come to you, how am I going to get encouraged? Because you ain't going to encourage me, because I done made you sorry. He's saying, I did that. And I wrote this very thing, lest when I come I should have... I should have sorrow for you. And I wrote this very thing, lest when I come, that I should have sorrow for them of whom I ought to rejoice. He's saying, I'm have, I've had a hard time in and of itself with you. I've had a hard time having to write these things to you, and I didn't know how to, how to write them to you, but I did them, and I was sorry when I did it, and it was painful. But he's saying it's a new day, it's a new dawn. He said, he said this, verse 3, or verse 4. He said, I wrote that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. The Bible says that whom the Lord chastens, he loves. I'm telling you that for us, and for the church here and the church in large to go and do what God has foreordained us to do, this is the key right here. Nothing else. This is the key. This is the beginning. Because everything else you can accomplish with partnership, with instruction, with teaching. But this you can't. And he says most of you opposed him. He said, this hurt me more than it hurt you. And most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. When, when the offending person, when you have opposed them, he said, that's punishment enough. We still have a mentality of the old covenant. We still have a judgment, fire, hell, stone, brimstone mentality when it comes to judging people. And he says, no, no, no. The opposition was punishment enough because he was basically excommunicated. He was moved away from the love and the compassion and the heart of the people. He said, and that was punishment enough. I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed. But then Paul said, now, however, and I tell you, however, now, whatever individual, whatever person in your life, he said, now it's time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. We've always taught that forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness benefits you. When you forgive her, it benefits you. You can't control her, but it benefits you. When you don't forgive, it eats you up. It eats you up. It will destroy your flesh, your mind, your body, your life. It will destroy you. That's why forgiveness, that's what we've been taught. That's why forgiveness is so valuable, because it's for you. But Paul just said, but if you don't forgive, then you leave the door open for him. For the enemy to come in. 
The number one thing that the enemy desires to do is to sow strife and discord in the church because he knows that by doing so, you and I may be overcome, overcome by discouragement. That word overcome is the same word that Jesus used when he said death has been swallowed up by life. When you and I don't forgive, this really isn't even about forgiveness. That's the initial thing. For some of you it is, but I'm going to take it a step further. It's not just about forgiveness. It's about comfort. It's about reaching. It's, it's, it's about beginning the process. He said to reaffirm your love. He said by you not doing that, this, this individual person is susceptible, is susceptible to be overcome with discouragement. Overcome to such a degree when maybe death is involved. See, forgiveness is not just for you. Forgiveness breaks down the tactics and the evil schemes of the enemy where he can't even, he can't even use it. How can the enemy overcome them with discouragement when he said love conquers all? Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. See, we love this verse. This is a good verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Everybody say, I love my neighbor and my brethren. You ready? Pursue love. Paul just got done talking about spiritual gifts. We just got done spending three weeks Oh, now what? The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the purpose and what it accomplished. And Paul said in chapter 14, he said, after all this, he said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but as, especially that you may prophesy. In chapter 13, before he even gets to final conclusion, in chapter 13 he says this. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. See, those cymbals that Ryan plays on Sunday, those are not clanging cymbals. Those are cymbals that have been fashioned and, 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 and harnessed out of brass. They have been, they have been um, heated and then cooled to give a specific certain sound of crash when you hit them. But now you put a crack in one of those cymbals and it becomes a clanging cymbal. You ever heard a clanging cymbal? It is awful. He said, though you have tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, you're useless. Verse 2, And although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And we were talking, we were studying, I was reading this, and we were talking about it, and I mean it was like a light bulb came on. And I had never seen it before, and I've already said it this morning, but it, it hit me in a different way. It's like Jesus stepped into the room and said, by this. Who's he writing to? He's not writing to heathens. He's writing to the church. So he dedicates an entire chapter of 1 Corinthians to the church. 
to walk in love. Why would you dedicate an entire chapter to a fisherman's handbook? Okay, listen to me. You got a fisherman's manual and you give it to the fisherman and one of the entire chapters in that book is how to love fishing. You don't need that. You've already got You just need to know some, how to get better, how to do it. You, we, the love's already there. He wrote an entire chapter to us to walk in love. And he said to such a degree, he said, listen, you can have, you can understand all. Everybody say all. You know, they did a study on that word. I've, I've said this before. They did a study on that word, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, all that, the word all. You know what it means? Though you have all mysteries and all knowledge and all faith so that you could remove mountains but have not love, you are nothing. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Listen, they're not going to know that we're disciples of the Lord because we have great church services. Matter of fact, I'm just going to be honest with you, in our current climate as a society, that's probably not working for us. When you say, I'm a Christian, that may not necessarily work for you right now. But when they see us walking in love with one another, they can't deny it. He said, by this all men will know you my disciples, if you have love one for another. Then he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Are you ready? Here we go. Highlight this and put it on your phone. Tweet this. Love suffers long and is kind. Man, you, I'm just, sometimes I read this and I go, come on, really? You're going to have to tell me that love is kind? <laughs> love is kind. Everybody say kind. Sweet. Love does not envy. What is envy? I wish I had what she had. Why can't I have it? I don't know. Love doesn't do that. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. <laughs> what was it? George Jefferson? He used to walk like this. Remember that? <laughs> love does not parade itself. That's not what love does. Love does not do that. Love does not and is not puffed up. It is not arrogant. Everybody say, well, how do you know the difference between arrogance and confidence? You can smell it. That's how. You, it stinks, don't it? You know it. It's not, well, how do you smell that? You know of people that are arrogant. You know that. You know that the people are, are confident, but you know also the people that are arrogant. You, it's like... It, you, do, you, do, you don't know how to describe it. You just know it. How, well, I can describe it. Me, 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 I, 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 me, me, me. Okay? Love does not do that. It says, it says that does not behave rudely. Boy, this is good church this morning, ain't it? Rude. 
Love is not rude. Love does not wait for the other person to take a breath so that you can start talking. <laughs> Some of you right now, listen to me, <laughs> rude. Love is not thinking about what you're going to say while the other person is talking. So that when they take a breath, you can step in and start talking. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I don't struggle with that. That's a hard one for me. Because I'm thinking to myself, if you would just shut up. If you, this is Pastor Appreciation Day, so I'll just, I'll just be very open and vulnerable to you. In my mind, I'm thinking, if you just hush, I can fix your problem. In my mind, that's what. And so the Holy Spirit says, you're not the Holy Spirit. I go, and then you, then, you, then you quickly get the humility back. And you go, you're right. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just... I'm just here to help, Lord. Help me help you help them. <laughs> Love is not rude. I am, I am endeavoring to learn to talk less and listen more. The men that have spoken to my life, uh, both naturally and spiritually, Men of great wisdom are men that, that they generally, men of great wisdom ask more questions than they answer. So are you behaving rudely? Are you thinking in your mind, if the, when the pastor gets done today, I, I got some notes, I'm going to tell him. Well, I, I done found it, what's wrong? Are you thinking like that? Are you listening? Okay? Love does not seek its own. Boy, that's a big one. I have four women in my house. I endeavor to try with everything that is within me to not seek my own. Number one, because it's a, it's a climate where that's a challenge anyway. You got three girls, Daddy, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, come do this. Daddy, play with me. Daddy, swear. So I endeavor to do it, and I fail. I do, I fail. But what I can't understand is that true love does not seek its own. Love seeks the benefit and the welfare of others. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. I don't care how godly you think you are. You and I cannot do that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit because our flesh is selfish. Yes, and rude. <laughs> I am rude in my flesh. <laughs> Miss Carol is rude in her flesh. And what happened to the appreciation part, Granny Carol? I'm kidding. Help, yes, that's right. In and of ourselves, our flesh, our fleshly nature, God has given us certain abilities and certain things. But the flesh, James said, you can't trust it no further than you can throw it. The, the flesh of the most sanctified, holiest Christian is as reliable as the vilest sinner. It is flesh. And Paul said, I know my flesh so well, that's why I beat it. I abuse my flesh. Because your flesh will be rude. If you just hush, I'll tell you what's wrong. 
Flesh will be flesh. Flesh will go, listen, right now it's, it's going to be about me. Because I'm the daddy and I'm the husband and it's Father's Day and it's going to be about me. What if everybody in the house is sick on Father's Day? Is it going to be about you? What about, what, when, when does love, when does God have to uh, and, and inspire the Apostle Paul to preach to the church about not behaving rudely and not being self, self-seeking? But he did. Because we needed to be reminded. It does not, it is not provoked. Love is not provoked. What does that mean? Well, there's been many marvelous opportunities so far for me to be provoked. (laughs) So marvelous opportunities for you to be provoked. You wake up in the morning and you are going to have many marvelous opportunities to be provoked. I remember Dad Hagen used to say, he used to say that, he said, I've not had a headache since 1950, whatever, I can't remember what the year was. And this was when I was in this, so he went like 35 years without having a headache. And the whole building just, it's like you could, you took a breath and you're like, no headache. And then he said, but I've passed up many marvelous opportunities. Maybe you're not one that's easily provoked, but the provoking is still there. And the opportunities to be provoked is going to be there. Provoked to do what? To behave rude. He said, he said, love, thanks, no evil. Everybody say thanks. Boy, this one right here, we're going to hang right here on this one, and then we're probably going to shut the service down because we don't need to go no further. Thanks no evil. Love thanks no evil. Where is the battlefield for the enemy? Well, why, you know, why did I ask Mr. Timothy to speak next week? Well, he, you know, he, he's been walking with God a lot longer than I have. And then the thought comes, so? Does that make him special? And then what do you do? Who, who is who's bringing those thoughts to your mind? Because they are not divinely inspired. Oh, they are inspired, but they're not divinely. Who's bringing those thoughts? Man, I'm telling you, this right here will wear you out. This, this, this mind right here. This is a big one for, for me. This has been one that I've had to really get a hold, get to hold of myself to think no evil. And the enemy will just keep feeding it and keep feeding it and keep feeding it. You ever taken something somebody said and taken it so far and then when they come back and they explain it, you feel like a complete idiot? Because you thought that they had, you know. Love doesn't think any evil. See, the Holy Spirit will show you and reveal things to you to come. The Holy Spirit is your God. The Holy Spirit will reveal. But when the Holy Spirit does it, He doesn't bring it in the package that the enemy does. The Holy Spirit will bring that revelation to you with love and with the Word of God so that you can help that person. He will bring it to you in such a way where it will encourage you, not cause you to want to be judgmental towards that person. When he brings it to me, when he reveals things to me about certain people, he reveals it to me with the scripture and the tools to help them not to bring judgment on them. And that's probably going to be something we talk about in the real near future is judgment. What does it mean to judge? 
Jesus said, I am the judge. God's the judge. The judgment's been paid. How do we walk in love? How do we do these things? We're getting, but but the, the point is that you should not be thinking evil. If you're going to think evil, think evil about the world. Because, I mean, they in it. Don't think evil about your brother or your sister. He's talking to the church. Love does not... Okay, so in chapter 3, he says you're carnal. In chapter 13, he's still, what, 10 chapters later, still talking about the same thing? And he's talking about us walking in love? Love thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love does not take what something happened and rejoice in the iniquity of it. Love rejoices in truth. Brother, I love you, but that's not truth. I rejoice in truth. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. I don't care if you're trying to save their feelings or not. Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in truth. Love. Everybody say love. You're going to say it with me. Ready? Love bears all things. Right? Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love bears all, believes all, hopes all, and endures all. Well, what if they're taking advantage of me? Let's say it again. Love bears all things, endures all things. Believes all things and hopes all things. Well, what if they doing that towards my wife? Ready? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. No, there comes a point where you step up and you say, all right, truth is truth. This is where it is. But even when you bring, even when you bring a rebuke, or you chastise somebody, you still do it with love. This role has afforded me uh, great insight into the Christian mind and the Christian heart. And I have had to bring rebuke to individuals that were wrong. But even in doing so, my heart, because there was no way I would have done it in of myself, because everybody knows that your flesh and my flesh is rude. It was by the Spirit and love, because you have to operate out of love, and love brings that truth with love. Your, 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 the heart for you bringing that is for love. I've had it happen to me. I've had the Holy Spirit Bring things to me for the purpose of love. I've had the Lord. Anybody ever had the Lord get on to you? Or am I the only one? It does not feel good at the time. I have never gotten on to. I have never had my parents or those in spiritual authority over me get on to me. And I go, man, boy, that felt great. Man, thank you for telling me that my breath stinks. 
Because I'm telling you, I mean, I would have just been talking and not even known it. But thank you for telling me that. Thank you. No, I've never, that's never happened. I don't, you may be more holy and sanctified than I am, but that ain't never happened to me. I always, mm. <coughs> even the Lord, even the Holy Spirit smite me and I go, mm. and the Holy Spirit goes, well, you were wrong. No, no, y'all don't have conversations like this with the Holy Spirit, I do. And I go, yeah, but I mean, Right now, it's not about who's right or who's wrong. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about the fact that they were wrong anyway first. And the Holy Spirit goes, yeah, but what you going to do now? Well, what do you mean? What am I going to do? I ain't going to do nothing. So you're just going to let that hang out there? Yeah. Well, I mean, what's wrong with that? And he goes, you know what's wrong with that. And I go, yeah. I know I know what's wrong with that, but I don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what to do if you want to know. See, the Holy Spirit is not going to help you if you don't want help. The Holy Spirit will... That's what the Holy Spirit will do. I mean, a party going on inside the house, and the Holy Spirit will go... Every once in a while he'll turn the volume up because you're hard-headed. I'm hard-headed sometimes. I've been hard-headed in the past and positive confession. I was hard-headed. I am no longer hard-headed in Jesus' name. But the Lord will come to you and see, I'm, I'm, the Bible talks about being rain-trained. I, I want to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit where I respond instantly. We teach them you respond to the, we don't even, it's not even about what you did wrong. It's about, did you disregard what the Holy Spirit said? Because that, what you're going to get a spanking for. Ignorance is an excuse to a certain degree. But when you're 40 years old, ignorance is no longer an excuse. I'll be 40 years old next year. I'll be 40 next year. Ignorance is no longer, in it. there comes a point where I have to, and the Holy Spirit will do that to me, and I'm, I'm endeavoring to, okay, be quick. I want to be quick. If you're quick to run off at the mouth, then please be quick to ask for forgiveness for running off at the mouth. You want a happy household? Then, then men, all the men in the room, all the husbands, let us be quick to say, honey, I'm sorry, I was, I was a knucklehead. Thank you. I get the amen from the, the older men in the room are saying amen. I just want everybody to say that. The, old, the ones that have been married the longest are saying amen. The young ones are going, no, I got this. I got this. Okay, well, when, you're, when you've been married, they'll learn. Love, love bears all things. He said love never fails, but where there are prophecies, and they'll be gone. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I took the backpack and the bottle out my mouth, and I put away those things. And now I see in a mirror dimly, but then... When Jesus has come, 
when he comes to rapture the face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am, also am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. We are not ignorant of his devices. Paul said the very device that he's going to use, because he ain't got nothing new, is he's going to pin you against each other and destroy you. And if you and I are not careful, not only will we eat ourselves up, but we will cause that person to be influenced by the demonic spirits and possibly cause that person to go into great sorrow. And guess what? He's going to hold you and me responsible. We don't have the luxury. Now, now, let me say this. I'm closing. I'm bringing this airplane in and landing it. Let me say this in closing. How do you now move to the reaffirming part? You can't do that till you forget. Well, I don't feel, I don't feel like forgiving. Well, good. That's step one. The... the, the <laughs> The first step in, in, in solving a problem is admitting that you have one. I don't want to forgive. I'm telling you as a pastor, as an apostolic, five-fold, tongue-talking, been born again longer than I've been alive, I can tell you that I don't always like or feel, I shouldn't say like, I don't always feel like forgiving. But I, but I do it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, because my flesh, like Paul said, is not the real me. My spirit man desires the things of the Spirit. He told Nicodemus that. He didn't understand it. The things of the Spirit can only be discerned by the Spirit. Inside of each and every one of you, I want you to think right now. We're going to do this. I want to I do this as a test. Listen to me. Think of someone in your life right now, young and old, all of you, every child, everybody look at me. Think of someone in your life that is hurting you. Think of it right now. You got them? You got them in your brain. Now I want you to say, out of your mouth right now, I want you to say, I hate that person. Say it. See, you can't even say it. Why? Because your spirit won't, it won't let you. When I think about people that have hurt me, I say, I hate you. You know what happens inside of me? My spirit goes, mm, no, because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. You may not like what they did to you. It may hurt. You may feel pain. But the love of God in your heart is greater than any pain that anyone has ever inflicted on you. And that you may not like what they do. You may not like what they say. They might not even be violating Scripture. Listen to me. Especially in the Christian world. He may not even be violating Scripture. But you may be mad at him because you know something. But it ain't, it ain't even, it's a personal preference. And you're going to allow the enemy to eat you up alive about it. You may not like what she did. She may not be doing anything to violate Scripture, but because you're a different personality, Sandra, you don't understand Ionaeus' personality. So what does he do? He accuses her to you and pins you against her. And now you don't even talk to each other and you don't even know why. Love. Listen, you, you can reaffirm... 
Some of you, this first step is just saying, I don't even want to forgive. Well, good. We're going to have an altar call for you in just a minute. You laughing? Some of you say, well, I have forgiven, but I don't even know what to do now. Great. I'm going to call you up too. We're going to have an altar call for you. Everybody's going to have an altar call today because you can reaffirm your love. How do you reaffirm your love? Well, you may, I'm not talking about you invite him to lunch. I'm not saying you pack up and go on vacation with him. The biggest step for you may be to smile when you see that person. But it's a step. I'm going to tell every one of you in here the biggest step for all of us, step number one, is stop thinking, stinking, thinking. You already know what they did. You already know what they do. There ain't no use in you going down the mental highway of what they're doing. You know what they do. Why don't you take yourself down the mental highway of what they could be doing? Come on, somebody. What would it look like if that person was no longer in jail? What would it look like if that person was no longer on drugs? What would it look like if that person was no longer so deep in self-pity and discouragement that now they, were, they, were, they have been raised up out of that pit and now they're confident because God has set their foot on solid ground? What would they look like then? And I, in every one of those examples, I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about people that may be sitting right next to you. You don't want to do church as normal. I don't want to do church as normal. Then why don't we be known as the church that's got the big building, but bless God, we all love each other. And if you pick on one of us, you get all of us. What would that look like? You couldn't keep people from wanting, because people want to be a part of that. Why don't we just be a gang for the kingdom of God? We call ourselves the Bloods. Bless God, you mess with, we'll be like the Roman Empire. You mess with one of us, you in trouble. You know what we're going to do if you mess with us? We're going to all gather around you and pray for you in tongues and watch you get born again. Now you're a part of the bloods. Now come on. Well, I, I, I can do that with most people, but there's some people that I just can't do with that. You, you know what then? You need to die to that. That's what you need. Take your knife and kill it. Because it's not worth it. Are they violating scripture? No. Are they hurting you? No. They just like the color green and I don't like green. Well, get over it. That's why we all wear the coat of many colors. Because there's variety. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We are not ignorant of his devices. Stop letting the enemy come in and play, have a play date in our brain. Well, I know, I know what they're thinking. I know what they're talking. Because I saw her look at me when she, when she, and I saw her, they was talking. I know they was talking about me. Stop it. What if they were talking about the check that they were going to write you? What if they were talking about what that God had already laid on their heart to pray for you about, and you unraveling it in the spirit because you won't shut him out of your brain? Stop it. Let them say from this day forward that the church is the church of love. We love each other. 
no matter what. The Bible has already told us what to do. He already said if you got ought against your brother. He already said what to do. You go to that brother alone. You don't need to convene a tribunal. Pull your pants up and walk to that brother one-on-one and say, can we talk? But when you talk, do it in love. We, we go all, I mean, the world goes out of its way to love complete strangers. But the church would rather cut each other's heads off than love. Let it not be said no more. We walk in love towards one another. We walk in love no matter what. Love suffers a lot. It suffers all things. It bears all things. Repentance is their part. It's not your responsibility to help them with the process of repentance. You are not the repentance police. You are to forgive. That is your part. And then you are to begin to walk and act in love. You begin to reaffirm. I don't know what that means to you, and he didn't spell it out. So that means you got to be led. What is the answer to a thousand and one questions? Be led. The Lord leads you to take him to lunch, then take him to lunch. Let me tell you what not to do. Don't go up to that individual and begin to confess 30 years of resentment and bitterness towards them. No, no, no. Some things are just between you and the Lord. Don't come to me and say, man, I, I ain't liked you since the day you come. Don't come to me and say that. Ignorance is bliss. There's a reason why he said go to that brother alone. Because if we handle this alone, then it's between me and her. But if I go to you, and I go to you, and I go to you, and I tell you what this, what she did, and then I go and repent, now you're going to see her as the one, the wicked, wicked, wicked witch of the West. No. 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 I'm not going to walk in hatred or bitterness or resentment no more. Not in the household of faith. How will they know that we are His disciples? How will they know? He said, I, Paul said, he said, I'm, I'm amazed. I don't even. He said, I'm hearing. Surely. This ain't, I'm hearing all this stuff about what y'all are doing. That can't be you. And then he spends 10 chapters getting the ground ready to drop the bomb of love on them. That is not it. We are not the Corinthian church. We learn from what they did. We don't want to do what they did. We want to be the Berean church. The Berean church never got a letter in the New Testament. You know why? Because Paul said they took what he said and studied it every day and they had love one for another and they walked together and they were community. Let that be said about us. Father, in the name of Jesus, with everybody standing up, everybody standing No matter what age you are, 
how long you've been walking with the Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love because you first loved us. And we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. He will not take advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. So if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to invite you to come forward. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, but you've walked away, I'm going to invite you to come forward. If you need to walk in forgiveness towards somebody, I want you to come forward. Maybe you've walked in forgiveness towards somebody, but you need to begin to reaffirm your love to them. I want you to come forward. Come on now. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort them. Otherwise, they may be overcome by discouragement, so I urge you now to reaffirm your love for them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, some, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big person on going way back in the way back, but maybe somebody hurt you 20 years ago and you ain't never forgiven them. Maybe you're here and you say, I know exactly what you're talking about, Pastor. I know exactly who that person is, but I can't. Well, let me ask you this. Do you want to? Maybe that's you. Maybe you want to. But the want to, maybe the want to ain't there, but you're willing to want to want to. I don't care what it is. I want to give all of us the opportunity to come up. You want to forgive somebody. You want to begin the process of reaffirming your love to them. Listen, forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a decision. How can you and I begin to reaffirm our love? Oh, that's between you and the Lord. But it's a, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step that you and I begin to take by taking steps, making decisions to be led by the Spirit. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a letter. Listen, I'm telling you, the Lord told me a couple of weeks ago to sit down and write a letter to somebody. So if you think you're the only one in this room, I'm telling you as your pastor, he's already told me what I need to do to begin to read. I'm not bitter. I don't have unforgiveness. But I'll be honest with you, I darn sure wasn't fixing to go ask nobody for, to go to lunch. I wasn't fixing to ask nobody to go on vacation. I wasn't going to do that. And the Holy Spirit said, 
write him a letter. And I was like, no. And the Holy Spirit began to work, and I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And he said, good, that's all I wanted you to say. Now, I'll tell you when. See, all he's wanting is you to be willing. Willing. He told Abraham, he said, will you give me your son? And he said, yes. And he was willing. And he took him up to the altar. And before he slayed him, the Holy Spirit said, whoa, hold up just a second, Jack. Oh, I like this man. And the Bible says that it was accounted to Abraham as righteousness. He was righteous. I believe scripturally Abraham walked in the level of righteousness that we walk in because of his faith to that degree and to that point. It said that it was, he, God said he's righteous. Jesus ain't even died and he said he's righteous. I'm going to go ahead and count it against for him against Jesus in the future because of that man's faith right there. That's all he's wanting to know. Are you willing? Are you willing? Father, in the name of Jesus, every person up here, every person that is dealing, come on, stretch your hands forth towards them, church. Let's pray together. Let's believe together. Father, if they need to forgive, I thank you that them making that decision, they forgive in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for those that have come up and they want to begin the process of reaffirming their love. Father, in and of ourselves, we don't want to do that. I don't want to love in my flesh. But the Spirit of God compels us. Father, I pray for that power and that anointing for them to begin to show that love in a greater way right now in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody else that needs to come up forward? Sometimes we do things in private and that's fine. But there are sometimes where public declarations, there's something that's released in the Spirit and in your life that will be released if you'll just take the step of faith and step out. Maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you want to reaffirm your love. Whatever it is, you need to step out. Step out right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. That because we forgive and because we walk in love, we bear all, endure all, hope all, and believe all things. Love does not envy. Love is not strifeful. Love is not arrogant. Love is not proud. It is not boastful. Love is not rude. Love does not seek its own, but seeks the benefit of others. Because we do that, that is the power that we walk in. And now that power is released. And so every person that's on the other end of this conversation, every person, every family, every church, every former member, every former family member, every ex-wife, every ex-husband, every stepson, stepdaughter, every cousin, every stepdad, every stepmother, 
Every adopted mother, every adopted dad, every natural dad, every natural father, whoever is on the other end of this line, we say, Satan, you have been found out. We are not ignorant of your devices. And the Bible says now that we are free, now that we are clear, we pray for those who persecute us. We do good to those who try to harm us. And we declare, we pray. Now whoever that person is, whoever those individuals are, I want you to think about them right now. And I want you to hold them up to the Lord. And we say, Lord, bless them. Bless them. We rebuke the devourer. We rebuke the accuser of the brethren. We, you have been found out and we are not ignorant of your devices. And we bind you in the name of Jesus. We say freedom. Freedom. No more bondage. No more pain. No more bondage. No more pain. Freedom to all those. I want you to pray right now for those individuals. Right now. Not for yourself. I want you to pray for them. I want you to name them by name in your mind, in your, under your breath. Pray for them. Father, I bless them. I bless them in Jesus' name. I reaffirm in the Spirit, first of all. I reaffirm and make a declaration to reaffirm my love to them. I call forth the ministering spirits and the angels and the people. Send your laborers to begin to speak to their life, to begin to encourage them. Let the love of God draw them once again to the kingdom of God. He said, it's the goodness of God that leads men, all men, believer, non-believer, male, female, child, old, all men. It's the goodness that leads men to repentance to say, Lord, you are so good and you have demonstrated your goodness to me that I repent and I say I want to change the way I think, change the way I talk, and change the way I act in Jesus' name. We declare that over their life. In Jesus' mighty name. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you feel better? You feel like not only something's been taken off of you, but you feel like something's been broken in the spirit. It's because it has. It has. Now take this and walk in it. You think you're gonna leave this, you're gonna leave this building, and the minute you get off this grounds, the enemy is gonna be right out there waiting and he's gonna try to throw a thought in your brain. Well, how are you confessing that? Pastor, I'm not confessing that. I'm just telling you what I know him. We are not ignorant of his devices. His devices is thoughts. So what do you do? You take the shield of faith, which is the word of God, and you say, I rebuke that thought because I walk in love. I ain't rude. He's not trying to harm me. She's not trying to hurt me. God's got my back. I walk in love. I walk in love. Amen. Bill, Brother Bill, Papa Bill, why don't you come dismiss us and 
share whatever you want to say and close us in, in, uh, in prayer. Glory to God. Before we do that, uh, can we do one more thing? Anybody, I know my, my dad's been dealing with some high. Hey, he's here, glory to God. Y'all know he went through all that mess. So he's, you know, he's still here with us, glory to God, you know. So we're going to pray for him. He's been having some hard stuff, so we're going to lay hands on him. Anybody else that, that's got issues? Sickness, disease. Maybe you've been diagnosed with somebody. Anybody? Just lift your hands up. Anybody? Sick? Nothing. All right? All right? Brother Ronnie, y'all come. Let's all, come on. Come on out of the aisles. Let's stretch our hands towards them and pray for them. Anybody else? One last time. Come on. Hallelujah. Inez, you got something? You over there twitching in the spirit. What you got? You need prayer? You got something? I'm not going to put you on the spot. You got anything? Okay. Stretch your hands forth. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. By the power of of the blood that we now have access into this covenant but because of the stripes on your back we declare health and wholeness over these two health and wholeness from the top of your head to the tips of your toes that every organ every system every tissue tissue that's been cut tissue that's been not cut Lungs that have worked and lungs that don't work. No matter what's happened in the past, no matter what's gone on in the present, whatever's going on with the heart, whatever's going on with the, the, the arthritis, the legs, the muscles, the skin, bless God, all of it works to the perfection which you created it. And we declare right now in the name of Jesus, the life and nature of God quickens your mortal body and makes it alive. So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. You know, we give credit and give too much credit to the enemy. But the enemy has been very unsuccessful in killing both of y'all. He's tried. Both of you have probably done some stupid stuff when you were growing up. And even in your adult life. And if it was that easy, he would have already done it. But he hasn't. You've been protected. You've been covered. And now because of your heart towards the Lord, your life is now being extended. In the name of Jesus. Now you got a part to play in this. You, you have a part to play. You have to, you got to take that word and you've got to walk in the light of that word.
Amen. Brother Bill, Papa Bill, why don't you come bless us? Dismiss us? Pastor's appreciation didn't end with the dinner or breakfast this morning, but these are some gifts. And you know, uh, I just want to share something with you about uh, those of you who were here during the process of uh, our praying and asking God who was to be our pastor. Uh, it was a uh, for Pastor Lawrence. It was a six-month ordeal. Uh, there were some other folks, and we felt like God said that wasn't it. From the beginning, you know, I, I, I said, you know, just like God sent for David, God knew there was a David, but nobody else did. And he said, he's my man. And I said, you know, there's a David out there somewhere that we don't even know about. And Pastor Lawrence came to preach one day, and uh, Brother L.A. said, now, he's not one of the candidates that we've been grooming. We're just going to let him come. And when he did, we said, we believe that's the man. And during the process, one morning just before I woke up, I saw April. And Lawrence's face, and the Lord said, Yes! woke me out of my sleep. I said, my decision's made. The rest of you will have to pray until you get yours, but I've got mine. And that's what I believe. I believe he is the man. I believe she is the woman that God sent here to be our pastor. You know, David, it took him a little while to become king. He had to work through some things and grow through some things, and Lawrence has grown. There's been at least two individual times that I've looked at him and I've said, you're stepping into your role. You're becoming the pastor of this church. And uh, he is the man. We love you. We appreciate you. Those are just little things to say, to say we love you. Uh, messages like this this morning, this is what makes a church grow. Uh, I want to share one thing with you. I, I read a book, uh, part, started reading it. Brother Jerome gave it to me. And it was uh, called I Am, The Power of I Am. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We sang that song, you are a good, good father. I am loved by you. Pastor, all the time, he said, you know, he said, this is my, my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. The I am that you say is the thing that's going to follow you. The I am that you say is the thing that's going to materialize itself. I am ugly. I am dumb. I can't do this. I've never done this. I, I, I. You keep saying the I am or you can say I am a child of the most high God. I am loved by God the Father. I am created in his image. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I am. But that wasn't part of this. We love you, brother. We love you.
guess you're a good kid. How about now? There we go. Let me pray over you. Can I do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person. Father, I am, we are so humbled and honored to be honored in this way. But Lord, I know and I recognize that you are the good shepherd. And so, Father, I honor you. And we honor you and thank you for being our shepherd, our good, good shepherd. And Father, now I bless them as the sheep of New Covenant Church. I bless them. I speak a blessing over you that every place that the, tre- that the soles of your feet shall tread, God has given it to you. That the things that you desire in your life, I believe in the name of Jesus, that God will not only bring them to pass, but he will show you those things to come. I declare that no sickness, no disease, no bondage, no, nor financial or mental shall, shall strap you in the name of Jesus. You are free, and so I declare that you walk in that freedom today in the mighty name of Jesus. Now go and tell everybody what's happened and what God's doing for you. In the name of Jesus, you are dismissed.